episode is damn near 24 hours late. And don't expect it to be any better than the rest of the week has been. Mayberry shit man I don't know I this cosmic weather has got everybody so fucked up I right after the mercury retrograde began I was having some some work meetings and I told people I was like oh you know it's mercury retrograde right and these are usually people that would be like I know and they'd have some caveats to add to this particular you know whatever cosmic weather we're in these everybody was like oh really that makes fucking sense. Like, that's everybody always. And then I started to be like, wait, well, if these three people didn't know it was Mercury retrograde, am I just making that up? And I went and Googled it. No, I was right to the minute. Um, I must have seen somebody's post or something, you know? Um, yeah, we just, we just going to chat a little bit because, frankly, I've got like five episodes in edit right now that, that you know, I just couldn't get any of them quite done. And... I kept thinking to myself, like, I kind of want to record something specific because there's some there's they're they're all a touch dated because they're, you know, more than two days old, more than 48 hours in America these days. Uh, and you might as well put your idea in a time capsule and yeet it into the sun because uh, just what? Like, it's like the the minute you t- you blink and everything is old news like everything you were just talking and thinking about is old news and like just some things that i have been i've been thinking a lot about time travel this week because i'm doing it all the fucking time like i'm having to like hey remember that thing that i said let's just time travel back and i didn't fucking say it and we'll just move on like it's not happened okay okay so um, let's start here. I want to talk about a couple of things because it's a little weird. A couple episodes ago, I mentioned Boots Riley and his film, Sorry to Bother You. This is the kind of psychic that I am, you know, it's, it's a very irritating type of psychic thing that I do. Uh, and this is a keen example where I'm talking about Boots Riley. I've been thinking a lot about him uh, and reconnecting with him because we met at Occupy Oakland. And I didn't know that he was famous during Occupy. It wasn't until shit, like a year or more after. Like I knew about his band. I knew about the coup and I had heard the song, The Guillotine. I just, it didn't, it didn't occur to me. And I wasn't really in a position in that, in that period in time where psychologically I cared much about clout, like uh, celebrities, cool, um, talent, great artistry awesome but like clout wasn't terribly impressive to me just because i was kind of freshly starting to understand the mechanics of how nepotism and cronyism work and so just because somebody's like oh yeah uh performed with these people or hosted an event with this amount of of like attendees or whatever kind of thing none of that really impressed me at that point in time because um what fucking ever and then like the most important thing that could have been a human gathering was occupy 
So that's cool that he'd be doing concerts and stuff. But but after Occupy, I found out the scope of the coup's networking and platform. And that was just like an extra cool thing to me because he was so the whole band that was down there. Every one of them that came down were fucking normal. They were just like the rest of us. And there was nothing particularly like uh, outspoken about any of them. And that was generally the case with any person that was a quote unquote celebrity that came down. There was one night, just this teeny little story. I was out there, it was like the middle of the night and I did not recognize this fool at first at all. I shouldn't call him a fool unless somebody knows something I don't know about MC Hammer. Came down to the camp late at night one night and I see him and he's standing there with this piece of paper. He's got like a pad of paper. I think it was on a fucking clipboard too. He was kind of awkward on several levels. I could be making certain parts of this shit up but it was mc hammer and he was writing a list because he was going to go to the store personally and purchase some shit for us so he was asking people what do y'all need here what do y'all need here and he was making a list so he could go get us supplies and bring it back to the camp so that was a good night i don't remember if i added anything to the list but i definitely listened to people adding things to the list and was like these are all really good things to be adding to the list this is a great moment to be having like there there was a lot of stuff that it's like you you go up to it and you like observe it and you're like okay do i need to involve myself or can i just witness this thing and then sometimes it would be things with like blessed energy and sometimes it would be things with broken energy so this fucking time, it was MC Hammer. There was another time Michael Moore came down and he was trying to act like a regular person. But then we had all of these liberal, these fucking jackass, like videographer, photographer types that would come down. It was like when selfie sticks were brand fucking new and everybody's cameras and shit were hella heavy. They were getting all winded and sweaty trying to hold their fucking booms and cameras on, on one arm. Uh, so Michael Moore comes his ass down and these people mob him. They surrounded him like he was a fucking Backstreet Boy. Like it was a goddamn NSYNC concert in fucking 1998. Like, I don't, it was the weirdest thing. And so we, we're sitting there and we're like, these fucking assholes. Oh, Michael Moore's coming down. We should get down there. We should get down there. Okay. Okay. And that's the problem when celebrities would announce when they were coming down, then it would create a situation like this. But this guy, they just surrounded him. They mobbed him and he's trying to walk to the center of the amphitheater stage so he can talk. And so he comes in and they're like surrounding him impossibly so that he cannot do anything but acknowledge them for minutes and minutes and minutes. And so then like the occupants, which uh, me and some me and some people who actually did occupy because there's people we had these big events where lots of people came. But on a regular day, just think of the statistics of this. On a regular day, we had like three to five hundred people at the camp. Right. And we lived there like that. It was like an apartment complex. It was like a community center. It was like a rehab site for some people. You know what I'm saying? It was like a, it was a temple with a huge population that lived there. But on days that we had these big events where it was like uh, you could get your T-shirt on the T-shirt press or we've got this artist over here doing prints of these iconic images. But you got to line up to get that shit right. Everybody who got memorabilia easily was not really with Occupy because we didn't have time to stand in those lines those days. We did not. Have, we didn't even have time to stand in line to get food during the first general strike. It was so crazy. Anybody who wasn't in association with a solid group of resource wealthy people, basically like comparatively wealthy people, 
we suffered on general strike days and port march days because we couldn't access our own kitchens because there were too many people there getting food. So there was one time they had some group came down and they set up this enormous like it was the weirdest thing to be involved in this movement and have so many elements of it be bizarre, ironic backwards or a Boris kind of energies. So yeah, this one particular time, this giant group came down with hamburgers and hot dogs and they were just whipping them up and handing them out, right? Just whipping them up and handing them out. And all of this is free, right? So people, the lines are huge. And it's not, it's just like a regular festival to be real. It didn't, the lines were as long as you'd find at a real popular festival where there's like just a lot of wait time to get to the few things people want. So I... Uh, we had to figure out me and and Blake, Sister Mary Hot Takes, uh, we had to figure out how to get food for ourselves and for other people. What would happen is I would walk down the line and I would bother people to be like, I need to cut in here because I have to get food and try to explain to them who I am. Some of them literally didn't care. Some of them had no concept of what we were talking about, what we were doing there any of it and then eventually i would get to a person that would be like oh yeah i understand the nature of what this thing is that i came here to participate in and they would let let us cut in front of them um and so then we would get to the people handing out the food and have to convince them to give us multiple plates when they only wanted to give out one thing at a time to ration shit that's free what is the purpose of that we want to make sure everybody gets some you're not going to get some for everybody there's not enough for everybody or there's going to be too much for everybody either way i'm telling you there's a host of people who for whatever reason they're disabled they work for the camp and they don't have time to stand in line for four hours to get a fucking hot dog like you know we don't have time to stand in line for 15 minutes to get a fucking hot dog because we'll be in line for eight minutes and then a crisis will happen and what are we going to do when a crisis happens we're going to go solve the fucking crisis you know what I'm saying? So there's just there's just like uh, there's just like little things that have been on my fucking mind about Occupy this week, just different things. Um, and so basically, you know, not to get too like yippy yappy about all that. I just think it's a reasonable time in history since it hasn't happened before to distinguish between the occupants, which are people who lived and existed at the camp, participated in GA and all these other things, and the occupiers, which are people who were just kind of like you know, superficially attached in some fashion to Occupy. It's just, uh, it's just a thing. And uh, on that note, I'm gonna do a hard segue into a completely other topic. I've been real stressed out about this Army Hammer thing. I've been wondering what the fuck is going on because I, I read something about cannibalism and sex scandal. And uh, I couldn't quite figure out I didn't, I just didn't want to look. I just don't want to look at the details. I was just like, okay, that's a lot. And then somebody posted something that was like, oh shit, Army Hammer, man, this is so weird. He was way too convincing in his role in Sorry to Bother You. And I was like, oh, fuck. Was he the, was he this, was he the fucking worry-free fucking owner? And Sorry to Bother You when I went and looked, because I didn't know who this guy was. I never really looked at his face in association with his name. And in fact, when I went to Google him, I spelled his name A-R-M-Y because I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? So I give a fuck about Boots Riley. I give a fuck about Boots' movie. And I give a fuck about the idea that anybody might be like, we're canceling, we're canceling Army Hammer. And so we can't watch Sorry to Bother You anymore. We don't want to put on Sorry to Bother You. The idea of that 
stressed me the fuck out. Uh, so I started looking into it a little bit. And it's it's interesting because I actually expected to see something about cannibalism happening. And that is not what happened. His publicist is dropping it. Like, I'm I'm not sure what to think from from what I understand, though, the the main thing. So the problem is the cannibalism notion is overshadowing the reality of what what this incident is if it is what it appears to be and so the cannibalism thing aside because it's not actually cannibalism as a thing it's cannibalism-esque fetish stuff perhaps where uh one of the one of the messages he sent said something about um said something about he wanted to eat somebody and that he was a bit of a cannibal but had never admitted that to anybody before and it hit me a little funny to read because I use the word cannibalize a lot. I talk about cannibalism, consuming each other, uh, communion, like the biblical communion of like, I have experienced these things and created something of sustenance. Here you all are. Eat me, drink me, Alice in Wonderland, whatever. Right. So that's poetically the term cannibal, while it's an incredibly disturbing and charged concept, uh, it also is spiritually and psychologically and thusly is applicable. This is to lead into that one of the articles that I read had a kink expert talking about how she was very unfazed by the cannibalism notion. Because at first it freaked me out when I saw it as like just a passing concept. Then when I read the details of it, I was like, oh, that's actually not... There's just a lot of weird nuance when you get into intimacy, especially with people who are damaged. On that note, this kink expert was saying that her primary concern, she she didn't care about any of this, but then where she started to become concerned was where she saw two messages between women that were with Army Hammer and Army Hammer. And he, one of them had said that uh, a belt around her neck was too much. And he just said yes to that. And then she, there was another one that had said that, that she wanted something to stop the entire time um, that it was happening. And uh, that was a lot. I don't think there was a response to that. That was it didn't it wouldn't matter at that point, because both me and the kink expert on the same step uh became alarmed and at that point there there's the problem it's not it's not obviously i was already alarmed if i'm looking into this and feeling any of the things that i was feeling but at that point it was like ah there's the re i found the fire like the alarm was going off and i started looking around and now there's the fucking fire exactly so i don't have anything more to say on that at this point i'm uh irritated i want to move on to talking a bit about there's a, a podcast that I just found. I am not endorsing them exactly at this point. I do think that people should give them a look-see. Um, they're called uh, Britney's Graham. It's a podcast that's covering Britney's conservatorship case. I've not looked into them much. I just discovered it last night because I tend to peek in on what's going on with Britney's conservatorship. From time to time, I had to set it down after the last court case that I was keeping up with. I was waiting and ready for the court case to happen. There was like a quote unquote technical glitch. Brittany was supposed to be able to speak in court for like the first time in a really long time, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and by a really long time, I mean 
possibly the entire time the conservatorship case has been open because the deal with it is when someone is conserved, they can't speak for themselves. They're not a it's it's like being a minor. So like if a child was expected to give a testimony, there's a lot of factors that go into play as far as whether or not they're competent, whether or not they're permitted. Right. So when someone is conserved, they essentially are treated as though they have the rights and need to be protected as that of a child. And in this particular instance, Britney Spears's conservator, the person that is controlling her legal autonomy and her financial everything, her entire estate is her father. Uh, the reason why this bothers me at all is because when we were all young, me and Brittany and whoever else is a millennial or otherwise, because we were all younger at this point in time when her career was fresh and new, her father always freaked me out. And and frankly, most of the parents of celebrity children, it's such a strange thing to me, the wildness of what happens when parents are competitive and using their children as the tokens with which they're competing because that is all child celebrity is. Once Hollywood and like Platinum Records Inc., if you will, like that's like not Platinum Records, the the brand, the the actual corp, but the concept of Platinum Records, once that shit get a hold of a kid, it becomes a matter of, of keeping them sheltered and safe from predators. I'm not getting any more into it right now. I'm going to stop right there. But I'm fascinated by this podcast. Uh, I appreciated the way they spoke to me as an observer to this case. Yeah, I don't know. There was an episode that came out, uh, uh, I think it was in November, called The Whole World is Watching that I I felt a little fucked up. Uh, I, I see you girls. I see you girls. The whole world was not watching me while Obama tear gassed me. And now they voted for Democrats because they think Democrats are going to save them from themselves, I guess, because they're literally causing all the problems and pain in the world, from what I can tell. Uh, And by them, I mean my loved ones. I mean, like, quote unquote, friends or whatever the fuck people think they are to me uh, who voted blue this last election. Um, Shame. Shame on everybody. So we'll let, let's skip right over that. Let's skip over that because I don't want to f- fucking get into it with y'all. Um, no cops. I don't know why y'all wanted to switch racist rapists midstream. That sounds like a weird idea. And here we go. Uh, anyway, I said I didn't want to get into it. So let's not. Let's not. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess I also want to mention I'm working on a concept right now about pop culture activists uh and like just kind of i've been noticing that people are wearing me like i'm a merchandise you know what i mean like they're wearing me but not my brand not my celebrity brand like my my oppressed identity you know what i mean and like the movements to overcome it so i'm real tired right now because i keep seeing white women post things about how we're just never going to see change in our lifetime and we're always going to be having to stand up and fight back kind of shit. Like I've been seeing that trickle out over the last like five months, four months at like a volume I'm not comfortable with because frankly, that means they think that they're going to keep doing this with me forever, right? Like that's what they think. And I could see that as an expression of hopelessness, uh, you know, in in a world where they're actually doing a lot of work to counteract oppression against people who are not white women but they're not they're not doing that not really um not really at all they say they are 
they make commitments to, they offer up resources, they offer up time, and then, oh my goodness, they're exhausted after all that offering up of stuff, and they don't have a drop more energy to show up and do a damn thing at all. At all. Do you want to come over to their place and maybe have some wine, though, and relax? We'll wear masks and social distance. You know, like they don't, I'm not impressed. Um, And so I've noticed some things like, you know, it's just the world is kind of made for them. Uh, There's a lot of like masks and T-shirts and bumper stickers and they really like signs and things like it'd be better if they were buying merchandise in the merch store on goodmorningmayberry.com and wearing that. These are the kind of people I was mentioning, the folks who had time to stand in line at Occupy and get their little, you know, I didn't, these are all like everyone who got like a print of something awesome at Occupy or a T, I did get a t-shirt. I got one of the, um, uh, what is it? You can't stop an idea. You can't, you can't kill an idea whose time has come. Uh, and then it's got Asada Shakur on the other side. Uh, oh, if you can't find something to live for, find something to die for. Um, so I got one of those. It's got a million holes in it. It's still holding up, though. Uh, and then I had at some point, I did have some of the prints from. Um, Christ, I can't remember the, the guy's name. Uh, Dark haired dude who lost his whole shirt. He was he was in a pretty good situation, as far as I know, prior to Occupy. And then he was one of those people that committed fully to Occupy, expecting it to go somewhere and got dropped. Um which is actually, this is probably a lot how like QAnon people are feeling right now. Some of them, some of them, not quite, but some of them, not quite, but maybe. Anyway, so uh, yeah, on the pop culture activism, the problem with it is, is that it's the kind of people who are like, well, I went to go see the movie and then I got the t-shirt and now it's time to go home. And they're used to like a sports event where it's really exhausting. And then you get to walk away with nostalgia products and then you get to remember it for the rest of your life. You get to wear the shirt and remember that time you were there. And like, you know, whether or not, whether it's, uh, whether it's like, you know, I don't know, smelling, smelling streams of urine in the fucking overcrowded bathroom or inhaling plumes of tear gas, you know, like it's, there's just like to them, since there was no skin in the game at all, it's not the same, it's not the same experience as the players in the field, even though they're all in the same arena and they're all participating in the same event. You know what I mean? Anyway, so, um, yeah, it's just like, you know, they just are very into the concept of the messaging, uh, virtue signaling, and like, you know, they essentially just create this, this circumstance where they turn themselves into lighthouses of safety and understanding for marginalized people. Um, but then they're completely unwilling and unable to show up and actually be the bridge that's needed to get anything done. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of working on like figuring out what are stronger forms of activism that people who are prone to this can do, because I don't know that they're actually capable of doing anything but being cannibalistic um, and consuming at least me in a way that I'm not consenting to. I don't like it. And I expressly am not consenting to it. It's not a silent no or a, a you know passive no. It's a loud, bold no with directives that they continue to eat around and then eat me instead of respecting me. So yeah, I don't know. Once I, once I had started fleshing this out with people a little bit, somebody had told me that there was some white girl on Twitter that said she wanted to have a black lives matter themed birthday party. And, uh, that makes me want to yeet myself into the fucking sun. Like what? 
like black people are getting murdered at a disproportionate rate. Is that a is that a fucking murder fetish? Like a, a really like you know passive aggressive multiple degrees of separation away from the point very white woman style expression of a kink um yeah i've just been thinking an awful lot about fetishism and being consumed by people who are close to me who are intimate with me at ways that i'm not comfortable with being consumed psychologically consumed and that if i know i'm dealing with somebody who doesn't respect the notion of consent I'm not going to expect to have that be anything that matters to the person that I'm dealing with. But the problem is, is that with pop culture activists, they are telling me that they respect me. They're telling me that they see me, that they love me, right? Just like fans love the people that they're fanning over, but often there can be ways in which that backfires we'll say uh also because of inappropriately consuming the individual that is being admired that is that's just the dynamic of it uh i don't think that it must be the way that things are i think there i think there is uh i think there's a better way to approach the media that we consume and the people who make it. And Larry Lyons talks about exhibition culture. In the episode we did together, Cancel Culture Club features Nikki Aaliyah's Earth is Ghetto. We talked about a lot of things that I'll be referencing like over and over and over again in future episodes. I'm not going to harp into it too much here, but I think that many of the things that we are using in technology have trained us on how to treat each other as people because primarily nowadays we experience each other through profiles and apps even people that we engage with on a day-to-day basis personally i would imagine there's probably a lot of even married couples who have functional and what they would call comfortable and healthy relationships that most of their interactions happen over social media not because they're avoiding each other but because they work separate places for most hours during the week and stay in communication with each other and so in theory with my math uh you know unless people are literally married and work the same job if they're interacting frequently they're going to be primarily experiencing each other through either text messaging or some form of a profile a lot of people just use their social media as a second form of text messaging and communication it's just integrated itself in our expectations nowadays i think that because of that and the very ineffective and sloppy ways that community moderation has been handled at scale we are going to need to spend some time as a culture you know however many of us are willing to look at this part of ourselves and sort of assess what ways the technology the tools and features that we use in interacting the block features the mute features uh which are necessary at times but then people get used to having people blocked or muted and sometimes it is totally a legitimate thing to block the hell out of somebody 
I don't usually do it with like hardly anybody. I've been blocked by more people than I have blocked, certainly, like certainly. And yeah, I think that there's a certain degree of uh, just disengagement that we are entitled to in our minds because it's in alignment with the policies and the community standards of the places that we spend most of our time. And so why would we need to have better or different standards than that? And yeah, I just, I have a lot of thoughts about it. I have a lot of things to say about it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it there. And on that note, I would like to give a shout out. This episode is dedicated to Rico, who died this last week. Rico is a little doggy that was abandoned with me. And uh, we had a couple of good years together as roommates before we mutually decided for him to move on to a married couple that was friends of mine. And he lived with them for a few years. And then they they gave him off to one of the couple's dad, um, who ended up ultimately being Rico's favorite person. Uh, And he got to live out the last several years of his life with him. Now, Rico, I'm pretty sure Rico could have been like 25 years old, possibly. I do not know for sure, but I think he was probably four or five when he came into my life. Yeah, I would have been 18 and I was born in 85 uh, or 19. Um, So, yeah, he, he was old. That's the point. He was very old. I will have pictures of him in the description for this episode on the website on goodmorningmayberry.com. Uh, he was silky smooth and not your average. I mean, he was, you know, chihuahuas are chihuahuas, but he really, I think he really genuinely thought he was a person and thought that we could understand him when he talked because he would do this thing. He'd be like, and he'd be like, what is your problem? Dude, what? Like, kind of like, I don't know if y'all seen Walter Jeffrey, the French poodle on, the internet but a little bit like that but less less screechy less like hollery loud screaming noises and more like consternating grumbling i don't have energy for this fuckery like you know kind of fucking tone out of this little chihuahua he also he very much liked to be respected um he had specific requests and he was very good at communicating his requests uh and uh, yeah, at one point, I just I want to tell this story about him because it's my favorite Rico story, and I will always tell it. He little teeny dog, little itty bitty guy, right? He's, and so I was out one evening, and I come home late, it's like midnight or so, and I go in my room, everything's fine. And then at like one in the morning, I hear the door open, and I'm like, hmm, the weird roommates that I recently moved into the house that have been weirding me out are back at a weird hour. And this was a father and son. Uh, who were sharing a room because that was all they could afford. And the dad was on disability for some physical reason. And the son was on disability because he was bipolar uh, and was 20, I believe. So um, I let these people move into my home. And uh, the poor dad, he was constantly trying to make everything nicer. (laughs) Um... Uh, but was just a little awkward. Basically, they move in and I I would have these incidents happen where I'd be like, I wonder where my dog is. And I go to call him, Rico, Rico. And I have a loft bedroom that's over the living room. So when things happen in the living room, I can hear them pretty clear, like they're right next to me. So I'm calling from a doggy. 
and I hear his little collar jingling, but he doesn't come up the stairs. He's not in my room yet. And I call him again and I hear his collar jingling again. Like, that's weird. One more time. And then I hear him like grumble. And I look over the balcony of my loft and that kid is holding my dog and won't let him come to me. And the dog is looking already up at the loft. He already, it's like he could hear my footsteps going right to the corner I was about to come over on. And he was already looking right where I was going to be. I'm like, okay, let my fucking dog go. And so he lets him go. The dog comes around upstairs. So now this is like a while later that I come back at night and they come in after I do. It's the middle of the night and I get a knock on my door and I'm like, what the fuck? I go open the door and it's the dad. And he tells me, he said, we we just got back from the ER. Uh, So I just wanted to let you know, like, no, no problems, not doing anything with you, not upset with the dog or anything, but like, just want to let you know that this happened. Uh, Your dog bit. The kid's, you know, the kid, whatever his name, dog bit, dog bit dude. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm thinking, you went, you went to the ER for that? Weird. All right. Uh, you know, is he okay? I guess. And he was like, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's all right. He's fine. Um, but yeah, he, the dog left like a pretty, pretty big hole. I said, where, where'd he bite him? He said his face. And I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> and then he just was like, all right, and went to bed, right? And we're like, okay. I said, okay, I go to bed. And so the next day I see this kid walking past me and he had a silver dollar size chunk of his, it wasn't just like, a, it wasn't just like teeth, you know, like just the, the teeth were imprinted in his face at a silver dollar size radius. N- no, he had a silver dollar size chunk like like a chunk of his cheek ripped out like a like a whole bite that was as round as a silver dollar my little dog fucked him up and apparently the story was that the kid was holding the dog's face and staring in his eyes and the dog started to growl and the dad had asked him to let the dog go and the kid didn't listen and then the dog was growling more and then he just shot through the kid's hands like a little bullet ripped a hole in his face and ran away so Yep. Uh, Light one up or pour one out for Rico. Whatever you do. I don't know. He was a badass. (laughs) I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. Is there anything else I want to talk to you people about? Uh, Oh, my four-year celibacy anniversary is coming up on the 15th of February. And I'm pretty excited about that at this point. It's been a raucous year with my relationship with myself. Um, But ultimately, I'm stoked about it. Uh, spiritually and I've got some kind of cool things coming through this week in my mind uh, psychologically as far as like I don't know it's like I was spending time I was spending time stressed out about the fact that it's a pandemic and it's like not entirely an elective celibacy at this point because of the nature of it being a pandemic and uh, yeah just feeling really limited and and small um but uh yeah that's kind of transforming uh right now and i'm i'm getting back into being excited about uh it's not it's celibacy is the singular word but it's that i'm dating myself i'm I'm in partnership with myself um i am my own primary and that in theory could be amended in certain ways, but I'm going to be my own primary ongoing. 
So, yeah, I don't know. If you want to send me an anniversary present, I wouldn't hate that at all. Wouldn't hate that at all. Yeah, you could send me virtual cash on Cash App. My handle is I am Shift on Cash App. And then uh, on Venmo, my handle's a little bit more complicated. So I'll just link that down in the description for you. What else? Uh, you know, if you want to send me physical things, you can email connect at goodmorningmayberry.com. I can get you an address to mail stuff to. I don't know. I guess that's it. I guess that's all I got. I haven't done an episode by myself in a little while. And yeah, anybody who I recorded with over the last two weeks and I have not put your episode out yet, uh, it is coming. It's coming. I've not forgotten it. Gosh, I mean, I think... One other thing, I'm conjuring up a raffle. I'm going to be giving away unicorn coloring book colorings. Uh, and so that's certainly a thing. If anybody wants to give me give me gift certificates, gift cards or whatever for coloring books, I'm into that. Gift cards for crayons and shit like that. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, I'm out of here. Y'all take care. And, you know... I don't know. I feel like I should give some kind of advice for this cosmic weather, but it's actually, you know what it is? Cosmic advice I got. Where did I hear this the other day? It was one of the one of the queer astrologers that I follow on Instagram. Uh, you can't fix the roof while it's raining. I'm passing that on. I'm passing that advice along. America is a bummer. America is just such a fucking bummer, man. Okay, later. We'd like to thank our patrons on Patreon and everyone who's bought our merchandise. Find the links to all that stuff and our social links on goodmorningmayberry.com. We've got closed captioned episodes on YouTube. Subscribe, listen, and rate us on all the podcast spots. If you're wondering who we are, we is me and my demons. And you can join the Legion by following our Tumblr, Twitter, or Instagram, jumping on the Patreon, or just buying one of our shirts and wearing that around, drinking the tears of whoever you like the least uh, out of one of our mugs. And uh, coming back and checking out the next episode. I'm Shift. And always remember to never forget, you can't fix the roof while it's raining. Rain, rain.